Ironized Yeast presents... Lights out, everybody. It is later than you think. This is Arch Obler bringing you another in our series of stories of the unusual. And once again, we caution you. These lights-out stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely... If you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. But if you're fascinated by the mysterious, the fantastic, the unearthly, then anticipate chills in our story of poltergeist. Now let's go to town. St. Louis woman with her diamond ring. Kicking that man oh, around. No. no, stop that, Kay. What's the matter? Am I scaring the horse? Oh, it seems like a sacrilege singing a song like that out here. This beautiful, clean snow and blue sky. Well, what's wrong with a hot song to keep us warm? If you think the St. Louis blues is going to dirty up the snow, you ought to hear Frankie and Johnny the way I sing it. Oh, stop it, Kay. You're not funny at all. Why can't you enjoy the fresh air without that cabaret sort of thing? Oh, just an old-fashioned gal, eh, Florence? How about you, Edna? Don't you like my songs either? You haven't said anything for the last five minutes. Well, I, I haven't been listening to you to tell the truth. I love to watch the snow sort of flow along under the sleigh. When you say that, gal, smile. Gosh, did you ever see more snow in your life? The man at the hotel said it had been snowing on and off up here for two weeks. I think coming out here to the country is the best thing we three have done since we started rooming together. Hiking in the snow is terribly healthy. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. The healthier I get, the worse I feel. <laughs> Crazy idiot. She does say the funniest things, doesn't she? I always say that Kay ought to... Oh! Hallelujah, we're here. Is this as far as we go, driver? That's right, miss. Can't go no further down this road account of the drift. Oh, my goodness. The drifts are too deep for a horse. How can we walk through them? I second the motion. Well, you young ladies don't have to worry none so long as you keep going down the valley over there. Snow ain't piled up that way all the way to Ma Jenkins. Oh, well, that's marvelous. Come on, girls. Let's get started. So long. Take care of yourselves, girls. Come on, Ed. Goodbye, Miss Well, Listen to the snow talking at us. It's very dry snow. Our feet rub particles of it together, and the Ooh. friction makes a sound. It's kind of scary, yeah. isn't it? Why? Well, I don't know. It's just yeah. as if the snow was sort of trying to talk to uh. us. I mean, as if it was angry at our trespassing. Hey, don't tell me we're trespassing. I don't want any country squire taking any pot shots at my uh, constitutional amendment with rock salt. No, thank you. Oh, don't talk nonsense, Kay. We're not trespassing. Why, this path through the valley here over to Mrs. Jenkins' house is the favorite hike of everyone who comes up this way during the winter. What's Mrs. Jenkins got anyway that makes people walk their feet off? <laughs> Wait till you taste her cooking. Eat. Oh, boy, let's go. It's awfully quiet out here, isn't it? Oh, that's the glory of it. I've had the roar of the subway in my ears so long. 
Okay, don't walk so fast. Come on, look what I found. Oh, come on, Edna. Oh, please, let me take your arm. I'm getting out of breath. Well, take it easy. There's no hurry. <sighs> well, what is it, Kay? Look, through the circle of trees here. Look what I discovered. Well, isn't that interesting? It's a sort of a natural amphitheater. Sure. Say, who was this guy, Daniel Boone? What's an amphitheater? Well, that, that means an oval circling place with rising tiers of seats. It's, you know, like that place we went to for the horse show. Oh. Back in the times of the Greeks, they had outdoor theaters. Listen and, to the professor. And they used to places just like this where the ground sloped up and made a sort of a natural arena or stage below. Theater. That's an idea. Sit down, gals, and I'll give you a special performance of the K Follies. It's awful snowy here, isn't it? I'll trample it down with my spring dance. Welcome, sweet thing. <laughs> isn't she a nut dancing in the snow? If I had that girl's energy. Oh, She's really grateful, isn't she? I'll bet if she went on the stage, she'd... Kay! Kay! Kay, did you hurt yourself? Oh, did I land on my dignity. Here, give me a hand. Here, I'll help you. There you are. Oh, did I take a flop. Did you hurt yourself badly? I'll live. What in the world did I trip over? Oh, no wonder. Look at that rock under the snow. No wonder I did a nosedive. Oh, my gee. goodness. The rock's like that all over. Oh. A person could break their neck if they... Girls. What's the matter? What is it? Kay, the rock you tripped over. It... It's not a rock. What are you talking about? Of course it's a rock. Well, yes, but it's something... Something more than that. It's a tombstone. <laughs> tombstone? Oh, no, it, it can't be. Look for yourself. It says... Here lies buried the remains of one who, restless in life... Stop! Don't read anymore. Stop! And and all these other stones laying flat on the ground. They're tombstones, too? Yes. Whew! What a place to pick to dance. <gasps> What's the matter, Edna? What did you scream for? Kay, you, you danced on the grave. What? You danced on the grave. I saw you. I saw you do it. You danced on the grave. Okay. Edna, stop it. Stop it. Oh, what's come into her? Edna, stop acting Edna, like stop, that. for heaven's sake. Control yourself. Okay. Okay, I'm so sorry for you. You danced on a grave. For heaven's sake, stop talking like that. Sure, I danced on a grave. Well, yes, of course she did. It was perfectly accidental. And what if it was? What of it? The poltergeist. The what? Edna Hanson, what are you talking about? What's that word you just used? Poltergeist. Okay, what have you done? You superstitious little fool. If you don't stop talking that way, I'm going to slap your face. What's the matter with you? I didn't do anything. You walked on the grave. You danced on the grave. Oh, Edna, be sensible. We all walked on graves, but it was purely accidental. Yeah. We had no intention of desecrating them. It doesn't matter, I tell you. It doesn't matter. The poltergeist. He'll come. I know he will. Oh, what the you? She's crazy. Edna, what are you talking about? What's the poltergeist? What are you so frightened about? My father, he told me. If you walk on a grave, if you dance on a grave, the poltergeist. Poltergeist what? What is a poltergeist? An evil spirit. It comes out of the grave. It kills and destroys. It'll kill us. It'll kill us all. Stop it. Throw things oh, out of please. Lay It'll off that. We're getting now. But it won't get me. I'll run Edna, away. come back here. She's gone insane. I'll get her. Okay, catch her. Edna. Edna, don't run away. Nothing will hurt you. Nothing. Oh, Edna, look out. Okay. Okay, what happened? That stone. It hit Edna. Edna. Edna, open your eyes. Blood. Blood all over her face. Kay, who threw that stone? Who threw it? I don't know. It came from the 
graveyard. Now, girls, take it easy. Take it easy. Oh, Doctor, she won't die. Tell me she won't die. No, no, of course not. And you're sure that her skull isn't fractured? Oh, absolutely not. Maybe a little concussion, that's all. Well, it's almost five. Our train. Can we get someone to help us carry her down to the station so we can get her on board? Board? I'm telling you, that little friend of yours shouldn't be moved out of bed for a week. If you do, well, it might be just too bad. Oh, Flo, what'll we do? Uh, You go home, Kate. I'll stay with her. Oh, no, you won't. I'm not leaving you here alone in this godforsaken place. If you stay, I stay too. Kay, please be sensible. Why should we all lose our jobs when you... If you'll excuse me, you ladies, I've got to be on my way. Oh, yes, of course, Doctor. Is there anything more you can do for Edna, Doctor? Any medicine or something? Nope, I've done all I can do. She's sleeping comfortable now. Uh, Miss? Yes, Doctor? The constable's sick too, you know, and he's sort of depending on me to keep things straight. Now, uh... Just how did you say that little friend of yours got hurt? Well, it was just the way we explained, Doctor. That rock came flying and... Yes, yes, I know, but who threw the rock? We... we don't know. What? That's true, Doctor. We don't know. But somebody threw it. You can't change facts. Somebody threw the rock that cracked her head. For heaven's sakes, old man, you don't think we did it. No, okay, miss, I did excited. Doctor, you've got to believe us. It happened just the way we said all at once, that rock came flying through the air from the direction of the graveyard. It struck Edna, and, and we just didn't see who threw it. All right, if that's your story. Well, you better stay in your rooms here. I mean, you better not be leaving until the constable's on his feet and has a chance to talk with you. I'll be back in a few hours and see how the girl is. He doesn't believe us. What difference does it make? We know what we saw. But what did we see? She was running. She she fell. Kay, well, let's not fool ourselves. There was no one there to throw that rock. There must have been. But there wasn't. Stop saying that. Aren't you brave enough to face facts? There wasn't any place for anyone to hide. I saw that stone. It seemed to come down out of the air. So slowly. Florence, if you don't stop talking like that... I remember what... What Edna said? It throws things. Stop looking at me like that. You're giving me the jitters. She said the poltergeist throws things. Spirit of evil. Florence, Rob, have you gone crazy, too? Why should we laugh at things like that? What right have we got to laugh? How do we know there aren't powers we can't see or understand? Powers of evil that revenge and insult just like an evil man... Kay, how do we know? What are you talking like that for? What are you trying to scare me for? You, you're supposed to be the most intelligent one of us all. You with your college degrees. Sure, sure, I danced on the grave. But the dead are dead and they can't revenge a thing. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of anything. I tell you, it's not... What? It's Edna. Come on. Edna, we're coming to you. Don't be afraid. We're coming. Open the door, Florence. It's not locked. Duck, it won't Here, let me. Edna, what is it? What? Oh, no, what? Oh, on your head. 
Hey, what's going on here? I run a decent place, and I don't want you... <gasps> Tombstone. I I wish I could cry, but I haven't got any more tears. if you keep on like that. Oh, this horrible night would only end. It was my fault. Mine. I was the one who got her out here. She didn't want to go. She hates the country. But I made her come. I made her. No. No, you're not the one to blame. I am. I danced on the grave. But she was right for it to be her, was it? I did it, not her. I did it. I danced on the grave. I danced on the grave. You can't deny what you see with your own eyes. But I tell you, Doc, nobody could have carried that tombstone up the steps without me seeing him, could they? But there it is, ain't it? Yeah. There it is. Either somebody's playing a terrible joke, or... You don't have to say it, Doc. I know. That's just the trouble. You don't know, and I don't know, and nobody knows. Yeah. And... And that tombstone... Well, what about the tombstone? I... I ain't quite sure, but... That's a tombstone out of the old burying grounds up at the bend. You're crazy. No, I ain't either. Well, that place is a good three miles from here. Yeah, I know. Who could have carted a heavy stone like that for three miles? Yeah, who? Stop looking like that, you flap-eared old fool. Human hands carried that stone in here and killed that girl? Sure. Yeah, the constable will find out who did it the minute he's on his feet again. You wait and see. No, he won't, Doc. You're smarter than me and all that, but oh, this time you're wrong. There ain't nobody that takes in breath and leaves out breath like you and me. Or the constable's going to find out who killed that girl. You know that, Doc. Oh, stop talking. I wish the constable was here and this night was over. It's been a terrible night. Terrible. Terrible clock. Ticking. Ticking. Yeah. I know. I've been sitting here listening to it. I can't stand it anymore. I'll stop it. Why bother with it? Come on to bed, Kay. Please. There's no use sitting there. It won't help her. Yeah. Nothing can help her. But maybe I can help you. 
Me? It was my fault. Mine. I was the reason it happened. It killed her, and it'll kill you and me, too, unless I stop. No, don't say that. It's true. But why should you be hurt? I'm to blame, not you. Listen, Flo. I'll go out there. There? Out there to the graveyard. What? I'll talk to her. I'll, I'll tell her I didn't mean to do it. No. That I didn't know where I was dancing. Please. Maybe somehow it'll hear, listen to me, and... And then it won't hurt oh, you. Oh, no, no. I won't let you go out there. It'll kill but you. Florence. It'll kill you, too. Oh, no, no. I'll hold you. You can't go. You can't. All right. Come on to bed, Kay, please. In the morning, in the morning, things will be different. But it won't. Nothing will hurt us. And then they're right outside the door. They won't let anything get at us. Oh, please, Kay, please come to bed. Yeah. We'll, we'll pray. Pray? I... I don't exactly know how. Just say anything. Anything. Like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now you. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Kay? Kay, are you asleep? I can't sleep anymore. Kay, tomorrow, I mean, when it gets light and everything, do you think people will believe us? Do you think so, Kay? I'm not quite sure what happened. I always used to be so sure about things. And now I... Kay? Kay, where are you? Kay, where... The window. She went out the window. She's gone out there. To the graveyard. To talk to it. Okay, why did you go? Why did you go? I'll go out there, too. Well, she'll be so frightened out there alone. I'll go, too. I'll go, too. Oh, so cold. Hands. Snow so sharp. Cutting my legs. Oh, why did you go out there, Kay? Why did you... I've got to find you. Wind. Oh, why doesn't the wind stop? Blow, blow, thou winter wind. Thou art not so unkind as... <laughs> oh, I've got to find you, kid. I've got to find you. It's snowing. I love snow. Edna didn't like snow. Where are you, Kitty? Where are you? I lost my way. I lost the road. Where are you, Kitty? Kitty, where are to it. We'll talk to it together. 
We'll tell her we didn't mean any harm, won't we, Kay? Won't we? Poor Edna. We can't help her, Kay. We can't help Edna. But I'm coming to help you, Kay. I'm coming. I'm coming. Yes, I hear you. I hear you. I'm coming, darling. I'm coming to help. I'm coming to help you. I'm coming. I'm coming. I hear you. I hear you calling my name. I hear you. Yes. This way, Hooper. They must have come this way. Uh, climbing out the window like that in the middle of the night. They must have gone crazy, the both of them. Well, that's not worry about that now. We've got to find them. Here, give me that lantern. What is it, Doc? What have you found? A shoe. One of the girl's shoes. My gosh, stuck in the snow. We're going the right way. Come on, move fast. We've got to get to them. Doc, look at this. What is it? Over there. Ain't these footprints? Yes. Yes. Yes, that's right. Footprints. Hello, up ahead. Hello. Doc, we're we're getting pretty close to the old burying grounds. Well? Maybe. Oh, look here, Doc. Let's not be fools. Let's wait till morning. What? Let those frightened girls freeze to death? Get along. But, Doc, I... You come uh, with me or the whole town will know what a yellow-livered no-good you are. All right. All right. You don't have to get so sore, Doc. Hello? Hello? Anybody up there? Hello? Doc. Doc, look. What? There they are. Up ahead. Glory be, they're alive. The both of them. Come on. Doc. Doc, look at them. That's the burying ground up there. And they're dancing. Dancing on the graves. But they must be out of their heads. Come on. We've got to stop. Doc. Doc, wait for me. Oh, Doc, it's... It's dark again. Where are they, Doc? Where are the girls? Have they... Have they stopped dancing? Yes. Huh? They've stopped dancing. Did... Did they ever dance? What are you talking about, Doc? We saw them. We saw them dancing in this place with our own eyes. Did we? The moonlight. Here it comes again. See with your eyes again. <gasps> oh, no. Both of the girls froze stiff to the ground. Each with her head crushed by a tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mr. Obler, would you mind telling us, me, whether there actually are such things as poltergeists? All I can tell you is this. There are authenticated records in existence that in the city of London on the 27th day of April, 1872, from four in the afternoon on a Thursday until half past eleven at night, a certain room in a certain house was deluged by stones thrown from no apparent source. The London police surrounded the house, but they found no trace of whoever or whatever was throwing those stones with a murderous violence. I, uh, I see. So much for poltergeist. But what about next week? Well, anything can happen, but uh, specifically next week, Mangara, a strange title and a strange story. The power of suggestion. The dictators have shown us to what evil purposes that power can be used. Well, next week, a man who, uh, <laughs> but that, as usual, is next week. Yes. Lights Out, written and directed by Arch Obler, will come to you again next Tuesday at the same time. Be sure to listen for the amazing story of Mungara. It is later than you think. taking you out to a nice little place in the country. Of course, we can't promise that you'll know where you really are, even after you've arrived. The play, a first for Nightfall by Randy Brown, is called The Porch Light. windows open. No, nope. it's closed tight. Hmm. Must be a 
slight draft from somewhere. Oh, look at that storm. It must have snowed six inches in the last few hours. What's that? Something moved under the porch light down there. Can't see for this frost. Looks like... Looks like it's... Yes, it is. It's a man. Standing under the porch light. He's... My God, he's looking up here, waving. Like he wants me to come down. What the hell? What's he doing out there in this weather? I'm over here. What are you doing? There's a man under the porch light <laughs> waving to me. Oh, come back to this. No, no, no. Come and see this. It's cold. Well, put on your dressing gown. Why don't you turn on the light? Not yet. There's something <laughs> strange. Oh. Why, why is he waving like that? He couldn't possibly see me. Why doesn't he knock? Oh, maybe... Maybe he knocked before and you didn't hear him. Well, could be. Something woke me. Look, he is there. You thought I was dreaming? No. What's he wearing? Looks like a jacket or... It's not a jacket, it's pajamas. Pajamas? Yeah, you're right, it is. Where could he come from wearing pajamas? Well, his car must have broken down. Who'd drive around the country in pajamas during a blizzard? Something funny. Something funny isn't the word for No, I mean, he's standing there and... See in the pile of snow you shoveled today beside the front door? See the snow shovel sticking out? Yeah. See the shadow of it? Well, he's standing right beside it and... He's not throwing a shadow. Oh, Carol, I mean... Well, it's hard to see with all that snow blowing down there. But... Well, it must be a trick of the light or something. Anyway, I guess I'd better let him in before he freezes. Look at him waving like that. How could he even know we're home, let alone at this window? Oh, he knows we're here, all right. The car's in the driveway, the porch light's on. Why'd you leave the porch light on? Well, I could swear I... Oh, never mind. I'd better get down there. You still can't see a shadow. Yes, well, you're right. It is weird. I don't understand... Go. Wonder who he is. Don't know, but we'll find out. Wait. Bob, I'm coming with you. Bob, come into the kitchen. Uh, honey, he's knocking at the door. I've got to answer it. No, wait. Come in here for a sec. Look, Carol, the poor guy's freezing out there, and Bob, I... Bob, something's wrong. Look, he probably just needs to use the phone. I want you to be careful. What's the matter? That man, I don't think he's... I think there's something strange. Here. Take this with you in case. A knife? <laughs> Are you really so scared you want me to greet this guy with a knife in my hand? Just in case. Listen. Look, he's knocking. I'll be careful. It's only one guy, and he must be half frozen. 
I don't think I need it. <laughs> but leave the knife on the counter. Bob, I mean it. I don't think you should let him in unless... Unless there's somebody else here. Somebody else? Like who, for instance? Santa Claus? Call the police. Honey, you're too used to Toronto. We're living in the country now. The OPP is 20 miles away. Look, trust me, will you? I trust you. It's, it's uh, him, right? Yes. And don't worry. I'll be careful. You wait here. You can see the front door. If he tries anything, anything at all, phone the cops. Oh, I don't like this. Hang on, hang on. I'm coming. I'll be right with you, my friend, right with you. Hello, what's... There's nobody here. Bob? Bob now, where there? the hell could he... Is there somebody out here? What are you doing? Yes, sir. All right, somebody's playing tricks. Is that it? Where is the... The guy's gone. Where'd he go? Search me. Come back in here. I'll just take a look around the side. Hey, come off it, Carol. Stop playing games. Don't turn the light off. Ah! Ah! Hey. Oh, oh, what's going on here? What? What are you doing? Oh. Well, thanks a lot. What'd you lock me out for? Are you idea of a joke or something? Bob, I didn't touch it. I didn't. It, it slammed and locked by itself. Sure. Okay, sure. Maybe the wind caught it, but you must have turned out the light. I didn't. I didn't. I swear. Oh, come on. I don't believe I you, Carol. I swear to God I was standing right behind you, and, and, and the light went off, and the door slammed, and, and I saw the lock turn by itself. Oh, sure. Okay. Whatever you say. <sighs> Except that that happens to be a deadbolt. You have to turn it yourself. I didn't touch it or the porch That's light either. impossible. Watch. See? It won't move by itself. And the light doesn't move by itself either. I am not lying. Okay, you're not lying. The thing is, where's that guy? I can't figure. Wait. Hold on a second. Where... Where is footprints? Right there. No, 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 no. Those are mine. What's going on? There aren't any footprints leading away. None at all except mine. What is going on? Now, you stay here, honey. I'm going to take another look. No, don't go out there again. Now hold the door this time. And leave the light alone. Bob, get in here. Look. See? I'm standing right where he was. No footprints. And look at my shadow. It's huge. We couldn't have missed it. Even from upstairs. You're, you're crazy going out there. Hold. I'm freezing. I told you not to. I know, I know. I heard you. This is really strange. What do we do now? I, I... Carol. What? Did you... What? Did, did you really not? What? Did you really not turn off the light or... No. Hmm. Oh, I... Hey, you're shaking. Come here. <laughs> oh, Bob, I'm scared. Take it, take it easy. Take it easy. Don't worry. Don't worry, all right? That's the main thing. Come on now, brighten up. What are we going to do? Well, the first thing we're going to do is take a real good look around. Look around? Come oh, on no. now, open your eyes. Bob, I can't. I, I want to go back to bed. And leave me? No, I want you with me. Sure. We'll do that, but first we've got to. Come on now, stop shaking. I'm freezing. Me too. And we'll feel better once we start to move. Now, first I want to check the living room and then the dining room. Come on now. Are you coming? <laughs> 
that man, who could he have been? What could he have been is more oh, like it. I don't even want to think about... Where are you going? Checking these windows. Nope. All locked. And so are the ones in the dining room. See, there's nothing to worry about. The whole house is locked up tight. Well, why are you checking the windows? You don't think... You... What? Do you think he might try breaking in? I don't know. Maybe. Oh, God, I think I'm going to be sick. Hey, Carol, relax. Just relax, okay? Everything's locked up tight. Nobody could get in. There's nothing to worry about. No, Bob. Look, why don't we just go into the kitchen and get some coffee? My neck muscles. Tense. Call the police, please. Oh, for God's sake, Carolyn, tell them what. A man knocked, then disappeared. A lock turned, a switch moved. I can barely believe it myself. I can't understand it. It's like a nightmare. Just, just call them. They probably asked me if he landed in a spaceship. Then I'll call them. What's the number? Above the phone. Something's wrong. There's no dial tone. Is it plugged in? Yes. Oh. Take it easy. Let me. Oh, let's see. It must be... You're... Yeah, it, it is. It's dead. What are you doing? I'm checking the cord. What are you looking for? Oh, nothing. Disappears here. I must go down to the basement. I'd better go down and check. Bob, no. You, you think somebody cut it? I'm not thinking anything. Actually, the storm, the lines are probably down. Don't go into the basement, please. Okay, okay. Bob, wouldn't... Wouldn't what? Well, wouldn't... If the telephone lines are down, then wouldn't the electricity be off, too? Good point. I wish I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. I wish you hadn't either. Bob, I think... I think I hear... What? Something in the basement. <laughs> like what? I thought... I thought... I'll fix that. I'll lock the basement door. There. That'll do it. Uh, I'm sorry. It was probably just me. Maybe the furnace. I turned the thermostat up. I hope I don't start hearing things. Hey. Let's turn the radio on get some music. was Ray Whitaker and his big band for your enjoyment at 3.11 in the morning. Well, I guess it's time for our late night weather report. Up to the minute weather from your local station, CKQE, serving the whole Huntsville region. And as all of you who are up right now at this time of the morning know, there's a bad storm out there, but that's what January is like. I guess we just have to love it, or we go to Florida. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. Anyway, the main highways are blocked at the moment because of heavy drifting. But we've been assured they'll be open by the morning. I guess all you people out there in the secondary roads better huddle down for a long wait before the plows get to you. Now, don't get out in your car, that is, if you can get out in the first place, and I don't think that's very likely. Now, police are warning everyone, stay off the road, so you pay attention now. We're getting the worst of it, maybe as much as one meter. Let's see here, one meter. That's 39 inches of snow. Whew, that's expected to fall in the next 24 hours. Now, don't worry, the crews are out, and everything is under control. And for a more cheerful note, tonight's hockey score in the... The police couldn't get here even if we could phone them. Nope, and we couldn't... We couldn't get out, is that what you... Yes. I wouldn't go out there with that man. Oh, why didn't we buy a house closer to you town? You know why, Carol? This one was so cheap. 
We thought there was something wrong with it, like it was stolen or something. It was okay last summer. It's all we could afford, and we couldn't have gotten anything half as good for the price in Toronto. It was cheap even for up here. Yeah, well, now I understand about that story. What story? The story the real estate agent told me. I never heard it. I know. I forgot all about it at the time, but... But what? This tonight reminded me. Oh, God, what? Tell me. Well, it happened ten years ago. The guy said a couple had been killed, murdered by an intruder. Here? Here in this yes. house? Well, I never would have bought a house for... You know I never would have. That's why you... You didn't... never asked, Carol. Don't say that to me. You might as well have lied. Bob, that's... How could That's you? why we have a house at all. We couldn't have afforded it. Oh, any... no. Well, where were they? Not... Killed? No, not in our room. She was found here in the kitchen, and he... This is the odd part. Stop, please. Don't tell me anymore. We're selling this house. That's all I have to say, and... <gasps> What's that? Footsteps. Upstairs. From... From our room. Sounds like, sounds like steps on a wooden floor, but our bedroom's carpeted. Where are you going? Shh. Don't. Come on. Look, our bedroom door's open. I'm going in. We've had enough of this. You don't know what he'll do. If... If anybody's in there, come out, okay? We don't want trouble. I'm coming in. No, Bob, please don't. Stay here, Carol. Okay, I'm coming in. I'm coming in now. I just want to talk. Get out of here. I'm not going outside. That, that man's out there. Oh, I can't. 
You've got to hear me. Now, I'm going to the front hall closet to get the flashlight, and I'll bring your coat. Oh, what if he's in there? I'll chance it. Be right back. Take the knife. Oh, oh, okay. Where is it? On the counter. I need a light. Where? It's not there. Oh, no. What? The knife. It's stuck in the wall. Oh, how did it get there? God knows, but leave it there. No good against that. Whatever it is up there. Don't go back upstairs. I'm not. I'm not. He can stay up there for all I care. He can have the whole damn house if he wants to. You hear me? You can keep the whole damn place. Stop. Stop him. Don't worry, Carol. We're going to be all right. I'll be right back. Damn him. I'll get him this time. Oh, no! Nobody. In the porch, right? It's on. How can it be on? And no footprints here. The door! Bob! Bob! Is that... been snowed in now four days, you know, officer, and we've been driving our rigs down and plowing them out as fast as we could get to them. Like I was saying, this road's been blocked since the big storm. When did you see the body? Well, I was coming slow up the hill, and I saw like a stick coming out of the snow ahead. Thinking it was a tree branch, I stopped. I found him froze solid. 
Turns out it wasn't a branch. It was his arm sticking out. Do you know who it is? Not exactly, but I got an idea. Young couple bought the house about a mile back. Well, we'll drive down and take a look. Uh, you wait here and don't touch anything. There'll be another officer along to photograph him. Don't worry about me. I'm not going near him. Ah, well, look at his face. Well, this must be the place. Nobody's been in or out. Car's still in the driveway. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, how do you figure that guy got out in the road in his pajamas? Well, that's the $64 question. Now, I say he was killed and dropped from a car. There was blood on him. Now, you don't get that from hypothermia. There weren't any wounds. I got a hunch we'll find our answer, if there is an answer, inside this house. What makes you so sure? How long you been on the force? A year. Over the last nine years, we've had a lot of calls from this house. It's been empty for the last year or so. But before this, anyone who rented it would call us to report waking up to find some guy in his pajamas waving to them from the front porch. Well, how'd they know he was there? Well, they could see him standing under the porch light. But when they went to the door, nobody there. And footsteps and lights going on and on. A uh, haunted house? You're kidding me. Well, everybody who lived here got out faster than they came in. Here, look. The front door's open and the window's broken. Yeah. Looks like it was smashed with the snow shovel there. And the porch light's on. I got a feeling what we're going to find. Let's go inside. Hello? Anybody home? Snow's drifted in. There's no heat. Take a look at here, in the kitchen. There doesn't seem to be anyone. My God. A woman. My God, look at her. Yeah. She looks the same as... As what? As ten years ago. The newspapers are going to have a field day with this one. But this isn't just a haunting, it's murder. It was murder ten years ago. We found the exact same thing. Woman here in the kitchen and the man out there even looked the same. Door open, window broken. Even the porch light was on. Oh, the newspapers played it up. We figured an intruder. But then the forensic lab got evidence from the husband's body. He killed her. And these people? God knows. just heard The Porch Light by Randy Brown. And now, Here has seen him at night. But he's dead. That's right, he's dead. 
And they've seen him walking. Ah, this must be their imagination. It ain't their imaginations. I know. I've seen them myself. What are you trying to do? Frighten us? I ain't trying to frighten you, none. <laughs> I don't have to. He'll frighten you. Old Mr. Thomas. The death that walks. Because he'll come for you. <laughs> he'll come for you. In just a moment, the Hall of Fantasy will present He Who Follows Me. And now for our story. Adapted for radio by Richard Thorne, entitled, He Who Follows Me. I have before me the diary of a dead man. He and his wife were my best friends. The words he's written down tell a tale so fantastic it's almost impossible to believe. Yet I know that Bill and Helen Mason lived the last few months of their lives in dread fear of the slow steps that followed them. Late evening, as I read his words, I have come to their house now, so empty, and sit in the large, overstuffed leather chair in the library. Outside, rain pummels against the side of the house. The wind blows the fall leaves from the trees, and the sound of thunder gives vent to the anger of the storm. There's something in the house a tension, a fear, perhaps. I feel almost as if. Unseen eyes were watching me, as if someone is here with me, here in this room. And so I start to read his diary, living words from the pen of a man who sleeps forever. March 3rd. Today, Helen and I came across one of those delightful old southern mansions. We decided to stop and make a study of the place. And Helen was especially interested in taking some color pictures to illustrate our lecture series in the fall. Well, I guess no one will mind if we take a look around the place. No, I'm sure they wouldn't. Oh, it's a shame that whoever owns the house and grounds let the place run down this way. It must have been beautiful in its day. Yeah, I imagine it was, Helen. Well, the house could still be saved, renovated. Beautiful place. Oh, wait, wait a minute. I'd like to get a shot from here. Hmm. If that turns out, it'll make a nice picture. Helen? Mm-hmm? I wonder what that building is over there. Yeah. Right over there, just in back of the house. Oh, well, no one's to stop us. Why don't we take a look? All right, let's do. Can't understand why anyone would let the grounds and house deteriorate so... Well, it must have cost a lot of money to run a place as large as this, darling. The real estate office probably couldn't find a buyer. Uh, you're probably right. Yeah, I notice the other building doesn't seem to be so run down. No. It's in remarkably fine condition. It must have been built a lot later than the house. It seems to be made of stone. Gray stone. I wonder what it's used for. Don't know. Actually, I believe that someone lived in the old house not too long ago, and I think probably the second building was constructed during that time. Well, it's a crime to let a beautiful old place run down like this. Mm. Well, here we are. Bill? Yes, dear? It doesn't have any windows. Yes, I noticed that. Seems rather strange. Oh, well, maybe it was used for a store. Oh, look at the door. What's the matter with it? I think the lock's broken. You're right. Why don't we take a look inside? All right. The lock's all rusted, too. There. Now, that does it. And now to see what's inside. 
Well, there might not be any windows, but there's a skylight that lets in the sun. Come on, let's go in. All right. just what I was going to say. This isn't a storehouse by any stretch of the imagination. It's a mausoleum. That thing in the center of the floor is a sarcophagus. Stone coffin. There's nothing else in here. Just that... that thing in the center. And yet I feel as if... it's crossed. As if there are things here that we can't see. <laughs> That's nonsense, darling. Hey, look, notice how the sun falls across the head of a sarcophagus. Yes, oh, I wonder if we have light enough to take a picture. Well, I doubt it, but you could try. Well, I might as well if it turns out that... Yeah. What are you two doing in here? We noticed the lock was broken, and so we came on in. You shouldn't have done that. Why not? We didn't do any harm. I'm sure of that, but he won't like it. Who won't like it? The thing that sleeps in that stone coffin. What are you talking about? Just what I said. You didn't notice the writing over the door when you came in, did you? What, Roddy? You didn't notice it then. That's a shame. Because you didn't know what you was getting into. Getting into? Look, I'm sorry, but I just don't understand. We didn't hurt anything. We're not intending to steal anything. But that don't make no difference. He doesn't care what your reasons were. Who is he? They called him Mr. Thomas when he was living. They call him the death that walks now that he's dead. The death that walks? How did he come to get that name? Because people around here have seen him at night. But he's dead. That's right, he's dead. And they've seen him walking. That must be their imagination. It ain't their imaginations, I know. I've seen them myself. What are you trying to do? Frighten us? I ain't trying to frighten you none. <laughs> I don't have to. He'll frighten you. Oh, Mr. Thomas. The death that walks. I uh, think we'd better go, Bill. You don't believe what I'm telling you. That's all right with me. I don't care what you believe, but you listen to what I'm saying now. If I was you, I'd get away from here as fast as I could. Not just from this place, but from the town, from this part of the country. Why? You want me to tell you a little of the story? Yes. All right. Maybe you'll believe me then. Old Tannis came here from someplace in Europe. I say old, but he really wasn't old. Just seemed that way. He brought the house and grounds here and had them cleaned up. Till the place looked like it was brand new. And he started building this here building. There's something funny about Tanner, something in his eyes that made you frightened of him. His eyes, they look like the eyes of a, of a dead man. He didn't act like anyone I ever knew. He was always talking about death. Always telling me he could come back after death. I was the caretaker then, just like I am now. After this building was completed, I used to watch him at night when he'd come out here. Seemed like he was in some sort of a trance. He'd stay out here for hours. When he'd come back to the house, his, his eyes would glisten and shine. So you couldn't hardly look at him. A week before he died, he told me that as long as I lived, I was to take care of this place. Because if I didn't, he, he'd come back and kill me. And then he died. Just like that. And he was put in here, in his coffin. One night, about two months later, when the moon was full, I heard a noise. When I come out to look, I saw the door to this place opening, and him come out in the moonlight. I could 
could hear his footsteps. Sounded queer and howl-like. I turned around and I could see his face in the moonlight. Pale and pasty. Sick looking. And those eyes of his seemed like two burning coals of fire. He seemed to be looking at me. And I heard him say, They have disturbed me and the moon has awakened me. I shall follow them. That's what he said. And I heard it just as plain as you're hearing me. And then he vanished in the night. Towards morning, I heard his footsteps again. And I heard that big iron door closing. And I knew he was back. Next day in town, I heard that Alf Cummins had died the night before, screaming something about not meaning to go into the mausoleum. I knew who killed him. And that's all there is to the story? Well, that's just part of it. It's happened again and again in the last ten years since he's been dead. Folks around here say he'll follow you wherever you go if you come inside here. Well, in that case, why haven't you been killed? Because he needs me. <laughs> he ain't going to kill me. But if I was you, I... I'd get out of this part of the country just as soon as I could. Let's go back to the hotel, Val. Yeah, that's all I do. You gonna get away from here? Yes, we'd better get going. Yeah, I wish I could do when you come, but I was in town getting this lock. You can't go around leaving this door unlocked. Yeah, that ought to satisfy him. There's an inscription, Bill. Yes. Yeah. That's the writing I mean. Got a nice sentiment, ain't it? If you enter here, into the realm of death, I shall follow you and bring him with me. March 3rd, later. I sit here and write these words. It's quite late and the moon has risen full in the sky. Helen is standing by the window looking out. For some reason, I am frightened. And yet I know that a few months from now I shall only laugh at the memory of my fright. However, in the morning, I do believe that we will leave this place. Paul Drew? Yes, for tonight at least. I think we'll be leaving tomorrow, Helen. Oh, I'm glad. I don't believe the caretaker story, and yet I'm afraid. Yeah. It's a beautiful night. Yes, isn't it? That moon's so big and full that it could... Bill. Yes, dear? Look down there at the street. There's a man down there. There's nothing to be... Bill! He's looking straight up at us and pointing to us at... Look at his face, Bill. Look at his face. Pale, pasty looking. And his eyes like two burning coals of fire. Back now to our story, adapted especially for radio by Richard Thorne, entitled He Who Follows Me. As I read these pages, the words tear up at me. And their formations bring to life a nameless terror which I feel all around me. Outside, the storm still rages. 
Yet the sound of it fades from my mind as the terror in the pages of the volume I hold before me becomes increasingly apparent. March 3rd. Still later. The man down in the street, whomever he was, left after about ten minutes. He has given us quite a fright. There are several any doubts as to whether or not we should leave this place. They've all been dispelled now. Helen has just gone to bed. I think I shall do the same. If we're going to leave in the morning, you'd better get to sleep, Bill. I want to get out of here as soon as I can. Yes, I was just coming to bed, Helen. That man we saw... Yes? It might be only coincidence. Do you really believe that, Helen? Are you trying to talk yourself into it? I guess I'm trying to rationalize it. I'm afraid I'm not doing a very good job of it. I don't know what to believe. It could be coincidence, but... somehow I'm afraid it isn't. Then you think that... Maybe. No, don't worry about it, Helen. By tomorrow we'll be several hundred miles from here. And I doubt if whomever it was will follow us. They sound just like the steps that caretakers described to us. Yes, but we saw him walk away. I think Billy's in the room upstairs. Well, it's probably someone else. It's not, I know it's not. All right, all right. Just a minute, I'll call the desk. This is William Mason in 316. Can you tell me who has the room directly above mine? Clerk's going to check. Yes? Oh, I see. No, no, thank you very much. What did the clerk say? The room directly above ours is unoccupied. March 4th. We left the hotel a short time after we heard the steps. We went immediately to our car and drove all night and all day. And are stopping now in a motel almost a thousand miles away. It's reassuring to know that he could not possibly follow us. I am very tired. Go to bed and get an early start in the morning. Helen? You asleep? No. What are you thinking about? The words that were written above the mausoleum door. If you enter here into the realm of death, I shall follow you and bring him with me.
March 22nd. No, he didn't leave a name. He just said that he'd be in touch with you. April 7th. Never saw anyone who looked like that before. See a friend of yours, Mr. Mason? April 18th. He said he'd follow you. April 29th. Told me to say he'd follow you. May 15th. Follow you. Follow you. Follow you. Follow you. Follow you. I've done my best, Rosen, but I can't. Oh, we go home, Bill. Oh, if we go home, it'll be the same thing. Maybe. Maybe it won't. I can't stand this anymore. All right, all right, darling. We'll leave for home right away. June 23rd. We arrived home this evening. I called Gary as soon as I could. He said he'd be out within the hour to see us. He wasn't able to help us in any way. Jimmy didn't expect any help. I was hoping that he might be able to offer some concrete suggestion as to what to do. However, last night was the first night in months that we haven't been aware of his presence. Maybe, maybe Helen is right. Perhaps he won't follow us here. Back now to our story. Adapted especially for radio by Richard Thorne, entitled, He Who Follows Me. July 3rd. We haven't seen or heard anything unusual since we first came home. I feel as a man might feel who has been given a new lease on life. July 10th. Still nothing. August 19th. For the past two months, a feeling of peace and security has enveloped the house. Helen and I have been able to go around with no sense of danger nor of dread. But last night, that feeling was shattered. Gary had come out for dinner. It was almost 10 o'clock. Well, it's about time for me to get along. Oh, it's only 10, Gary, so you don't have to go so soon. I'm afraid I must, Helen. Tomorrow's a working day for me. I thought I might be able to get you into the game of chess. <laughs> Some other time, Bill. Well, next time, don't stay away so long. Don't worry. I think we ought to... Tell me, is someone upstairs? No. Well, listen. <gasps> He's back. Who's back? The man we told you about. Those are his footsteps. I'd know them anywhere. I should. I've heard them enough. What are you going to do? Look, will you come upstairs with me, Gary? Yes, of course. You stay here, Helen. Don't go up there, Bill. Don't let him, Gary. No, Helen. This time I'm going to meet him face to face. And I'm going with you. No, you're not. You're going to stay right here. Ready, Gary? Yes. Okay, let's go. Be careful. As careful as we can. If he is up there, what are you going to do? I don't know. We'll find that out when the time comes. Our steps came from the guest room. I don't hear anything. Well, let's see if he's in there. Stand back, Gary. I'm going to open the door. Right. It's empty. There's no one in here. But I heard someone up here. Yes, he was here, but he's gone. I can feel it when he's near me. I know that... 
Rosamond. Helen! Helen, where are you? Helen! There she is. In the front room. Helen. What's the matter, Helen? Helen, answer me. She can't do. She's sitting there with her eyes wide open. She's dead. August 23rd. We buried her today. As I sit here in the empty house writing this, I know that Thomas will come for me too. I am writing this in the hope that someone will find it, read it, and maybe understand my death. It's lonely here, yet suddenly I have the feeling that I'm not alone. Someone is here with me. He is here in this room with me. I'm afraid to turn and meet him. Have those eyes of his burning into me. And yet, yet I must. I pray that someone reads this. Perhaps he will... He will... through the pages has imparted itself to me. And I sense that someone is here with me. Of course, I realize that it's only my imagination. But I can't shake that feeling. There is someone here. portrayed in these programs are fictional, and any similarity to actual events or persons living or dead is purely coincidental.
The Wendigo, a strange tale of the supernatural by George Selverson, from a story by Algernon Blackwood, and starring Ed Wilson as Simpson and Robert Christie as Dr. Cathcart. There's an explanation. An explanation? They say it carries you along. It comes and calls and carries you along. Doctor. It comes and calls to you out of the silence in the voice of the bush. The voice of wind and water and the cries of animals. Doctor, please. The perfume of it drenches you, chokes you, sickens you. Uh-huh. The perfume of the dead and stinking vegetation. Uh-huh. And you have to go. It calls you, carries you, rushes you away through the bush so that your feet burn like fire. Doctor, don't It please. carries you in great leaps to your destruction. Your feet burning, the wind bursting the blood vessels behind the eyes. And then you become an animal, a living, a dead thing, like the thing itself. Please and, stop it, Doctor. And then it drops you and you stagger away to die. Doctor, stop it. Remember what you told me. There is an explanation. around with the walls of silence, the silent snow, the silent trees, the silent forest, the silent wall of wilderness. They all listen, the listening snow, the listening trees. There is something out there in the forest, and they listen for its voice. many times of this ago, the time I fight the wolf with his bare hands. Shall I tell you that one, huh? With your bare hands? Go on, DeFargo. We don't doubt your fallacy for a moment. Thank you, Doctor. Punkwa. Now, where's that old Indian? I was here a moment ago. Punkwa! Come back here and stir up the fire. (laughs) Well, what about this wolf? Uh, Well, uh, I'm sorry for this one, I tell you. This wolf who makes the big mistake. He picks a man who is afraid of nothing, who knows the woods better than the wolf himself. That's when it began. The father of the guide in slouch hat and moccasin, spinning his yarns by the campfire. A breath of wintry wind stealing out of the forest to rustle the tent flaps and stir the blaze. Our Indian cook somewhere in the shadows. Dr. Cathcart watching DeFargo with cynical eyes. And the fourth of our hunting party, myself, Ray Simpson, nervous and tense, as though expecting a thing that was about to happen. I uh, come many miles on the snowshoes that time. I'm very tired. I say to myself, DeFargo, my boy, you will sit here a while. You'll rest. But then I am sleepy. And what do you know? I am sound asleep in the snow. Now, uh, this is not at the best of times the very best of ideas, you understand. What do you think? Along comes this Mr. Wolf. He looks at me and he tells himself, How magnificent! (laughs) What a triumph. Here is a man, says Mr. Wolf, who's overcome by the cold. And what a pleasant meal I will make myself. (laughs) But he is so wrong. I open my eyes, and there is Mr. Wolf looking into my face with his long white teeth already. <laughs> so I say, so I say, I. What is it? I. I. What's the matter with you, man? Listen. 
What is it, Defog? What are you listening for? Are you trying to get a rise out of us? Quiet. No, not a thing. You heard nothing in the bush. No. Stop this little game. <laughs> you can't frighten me with this nonsense, Defago. But you've scared the living daylight out of Ray. You've heard nothing but the wind. Yes, that's all. You smell something just then. Smell something? Really not, Defago. Only the fire. Why? What is it? Uh, it was nothing. <laughs> with my imagination.
Maybe he's afraid of that. You hear something? Oh, only wind? Yes. Only wind. Good night. Good night, Defargo. I saw Defargo move off to his tent with the lantern spilling a hundred moving shadows into the trees. I lay beside Dr. Cathcart on the bed of balsam boughs. I felt a shadow lying between us. Not a shadow of the night. A shadow of the strange fear that had leaped upon Defargo in the middle of his joking. It crept through the canvas from the world of crowding trees. I felt in my soul the profound stillness of the primeval forest when no wind stirred. Then I slept. running of my blood beating drums in my ears. Well, doctor, what is that sound? Listen. What? It's from the other tape. Stefago. The fool is dreaming. I'll see if he's all right. What's the matter? Are you awake? Defargo. Defargo, you're dreaming. Defargo, he's gone. We're alone. What was that, Doctor? What is it that happened? We crept from our tents like terrified children. The gray light of dawn was dropping cold and glimmering between the trees. The lake was white beneath a coating of mist, the islands rising darkly out of it like prowling creatures. Patches of snow glistened among the clearest spaces of the bush. Defargo's tent stood empty, lifeless, 
And there was nothing but silence. Silence and a strange, penetrating perfume invading the nostrils and taking me by the throat like an unseen hand. Nothing here at all. No. Not a sign of anything. No. Only a footstep. Footsteps. There in the snow. Yes. Far apart. He must have been making like a rabbit. What was it, Doctor? What was it? Something came. Hmm. No. Something came for him. Something called. Nothing. You heard it, Doctor. You know you heard it. I heard nothing. Yes. I heard something. Wind. That's all it was. Wind. Wind. Where did you ever hear a wind like I that? I tell you, it was wind. That and your imagination. The father carrying on like that, it was enough to make you imagine anything. And why did you hold me back? Well, you, you know what I mean, Doctor. When I wanted to go out and help the father, why wouldn't you let me I go? Had reasons. Two reasons. Yes, yes, two good reasons. What reasons? I knew what that sound was. It was some sort of hurricane. I, I thought it safe not to know. And I could hear that the father was going mad. He might have harmed you. Nothing would disturb not a leaf. What kind of a hurricane is that? How do I know? It's probably passed overhead. Then where is the father? Yes. That's the point. We can't get out of this country without him. We've got to find him and help him. Vargo! Vargo! That's no good. He's beyond the airshot. How do you know? Because we heard him go, shouting all the way. We have to follow his trail. Come on. Doctor. Well, we heard him run clear out of range of our hearing. What about it? How far would we hear him shouting like that? I don't know. Half a mile. But, Doctor, it all took about this. Fifteen seconds. Fifteen seconds? How fast can a man run? Ah, there's the end of the trail. No more snow. The trees are too thick for it here, and of course that's the way he chose to run. Oh, we find it. He must have been tearing himself to pieces rushing through the bush like that. No, no, this is no use. We'll only lose ourselves. Without the father, we're lost anyway. We've got to keep no, after him. No, listen to me, Ray. Defazzo! Now listen, Ray. We'll just stop running around like frightened, superstitious women. And what do we do? We're going back to camp. We're going to organize ourselves for a systematic search. You're so rational. You're so ready with explanations. How do you know we'll ever find you? We can't be far. How can you explain it all the way, Doc? Rushing away from that, the crazy words in that perfume in the air and that sound, you can't explain. Ray, there's an explanation for everything. We are going to keep our heads, or we'll lose them like the father. Now, let's get going. The second time we set out from camp, we took food and matches. Dr. Cathcart carried the new 303 rifle, of which he was so proud, and I took a hatchet blazing the trees as we traveled in a wide sweep in search of the Fargo's trail. Hey! Come and look! Here it is! We found it! Yes! Those are the tracks of human feet, sure enough. The Fargo's. Yes. But what's this beside them? Beside them? Yes, look here. Animals. There you have your simple explanation for the whole affair, Ray. How does that explain anything? Those big marks have been left by a baby. Now I know what happened. Well... The wind against it, the moose blundered into camp. And uttered a cry of alarm as we heard in the wind. The Fargo heard it too in his sleep. Remember the nightmare he was having? Yes. But why did he do? He's a superstitious fellow. And that Indian had filled him with stories about the Wendigo. He suffered a temporary derangement, perhaps something more than panic. 
And now he's tracking the animal. Yeah. Could be. Uh, uh, we have nothing more to fear. Uh, uh, let's take a breather. And a bite of food before we go on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were right. You were right. There uh, is an explanation for everything, uh, Doctor. And if you knew the kinds of explanation that have been going through my mind. I know. Here. Take a couple of sandwiches. Thanks, Doctor. Mm-hmm. I've got the water there and parts. Mm-hmm. Here. Thanks. Oh. Mm. Oh. Ah. Ah. Mm. I see. The second time you've mentioned this Wendigo thing. What is it, Doctor? Oh, oh holy Doctor. You're in. Indian legend or something? Well, about the size of it. <laughs> oh, it's funny the comfort I feel. Sitting on on a stone in the middle of nowhere, yeah. looking at the father's footprint. Yeah. Telling such a normal story. Mm. Not a thrilling movie. Let me go think. Did it, did it have something to do with Funkwa dessert? No, perhaps. Hmm? What, what sort of a thing is it supposed to be, Doc? Hmm? Well, in this part of the country, when an Indian goes mad, they say he had seen the wind to go. Oh. The when it goes in state of mind. Yes, yes, yes. You can call it that. Does they know this thing? No, sir. Well, they say, yeah. Uh, uh, they say, out here, our faith is no man to penetrate. This creature lives there. It's when they go. Faith? When they go. Huh? They say it's a kind of animal. It's a state of mind. A kind of animal. Doctor, look here a minute. What is it? The moose tracks. He must be a big one. All right. Big Round track. Look here. Look like a hoof mark to you. No. Caribou? Oh, that would be hoof mark. There. No? No, it isn't there. Doctor. I think I think we'd better get moving again. Yeah. You loaded it, Doctor. It's the bear track. Is it? What are you doing? Why are you kneeling there? I thought I smelled something. You're acting like a fool. Do you want to lose your mind like the Pago? You think he's gone after all? No, no, I told you what that was. Get your nose out of that track. You're out of your mind. Don't you think we, we should turn back? Why do you talk such nonsense? There's, there's perfume in that track. Oh. <laughs> if you let your mind go like that, there's no knowing what you'll imagine next. We've lost enough time. We've got to find the Pago. <laughs> took 18 foot leaps. He'd been lifted and carried. Lifted and carried by what? The beast. That's what they say. They say it carries you along. It comes and calls and carries you along. Doctor. Comes and calls to you out of the silence. Uh, the voice of the bush. The voice of wind uh, and of water and the cries of animals. Doctor, please. The perfume of it drenches you. 
chokes you, sickens you. The person was dead and stinking vegetation, but you had to go. He calls you, it carries you, and pushes you away through the bush so your feet burn like fire. That's what he said, didn't they? Feet of fire. Doctor, don't you? It carries you in a great, screaming leap to your destruction, with your feet burning and the wind bursting the blood vessels behind the eyes. And then you become an animal, the living, dead thing like the thing itself, and it drops you, and you stagger away to die. Doctor Cathcart, will you stop it, please? This is not like you. Remember what you told me. There is an explanation. Yes, an explanation. Let's look ahead. Check those footprints of the animals. Yes. Now, it, it, it just may be that our eyes are playing a trick, sir. Or a... Yes? Yes, I... Aren't the Fargo's footprints? What? He's lost them somehow. Where did he go? Lost them? How could we lose them? And they end here, both sides. There! You see, we didn't lose them. There are still two sets of tracks. Where did they go? Up in the air? Uh, there, there's an explanation. An explanation. And those aren't just Fargo's. Look at them. There were two animals here. We've lost the Fargo somewhere back. No, we haven't. Those are the Fargo's. This is the end of the trail. This is where it left him. Then where is he? The Fargo! Don't, don't call him! Don't call him! The big trees closed in on us like gangsters. I stared around with no power of thought, no judgment. The feet that printed the surface of the snow had come this far, and then nothing. And here were Defargo's prints, neat, round duplications of the strange animal track. The feet that produced them had therefore changed, and my mind reared up with loathing and incredulous bewilderment. Don't call him and don't. Doctor, get hold of you. We're going back. But we have to find him. We'll never find him. We'll die in these woods without him. That's better. Better? Why? I tell you, we're going back. We have to give it up. The doctor, please. We have to give it up? Go. All right, then. Let's go back. Good. If we hurry, we can make the camp by nightfall. Yes, yes, of course. We'll have to do it. We'll have it all explained. You see, my hopelessly lost when he happens in these woods, even with a man like the father. And there's no chance. We've done everything. Huh? Coming through the woods. It's the Bargo, wait. It's the Bargo. The Bargo. It isn't the Bargo. It is the Bargo. No, it isn't the Bargo. Yes, not anymore. What do you mean? Keep him away. Keep him away. Doctor, put down that gun. Keep him away, Doctor. <laughs>
I'm wrapped with a wall of silence. A silent snow. A silent forest. A silent wall of wilderness. They all listen. Listen to snow. Listen to trees. There is something out there in the forest. has presented The Wendigo, a tale of the supernatural by George Selverson, based on a story by Algernon Blackwood. In the cast, Robert Christie as Dr. Cathcart, Ed Wilson as Simpson, and Murray Westgate as DeFargo. Sound effects were by John Fliz. Technical operation, Robert Burke. This is Bill Lawrence speaking.
and stars Barbara Weeks in the role of Sarah with Carl Swenson as Paul. Inner Sanctum is presented by the Emerson Drug Company of Baltimore, Maryland, makers of Bromo Seltzer. Remember, Bromo Seltzer is compounded by registered pharmacists. It fights headache three ways. Bromo Seltzer helps your headache quickly, pleasantly, and it also soothes the upset stomach and jangled nerves that may team up with it. No wonder druggists report that of all headache products dispensed to their fountains, the overwhelming favorite is Bromo Seltzer. Please, friends, absolute silence. We want it so quiet you can hear a head drop. In the small hillside New England cemetery, a chill evening wind stirs the leafless trees with a complaining murmur. A blood-red moon probes through the branches with grotesque fingers, touching the faded headstones with their eerie light. The frail, drawn-faced young woman sits on an old stone bench, listening acutely to the rustling of the branches, as if to capture some word whisper of the dead, forgotten past. Sarah! Sarah! Sarah, where are you? Oh, Paul, I'm here, over here. Sarah, I've been looking all over for you. What are you doing out here, anyway? I was called out here, Paul. What? The wind. There was a voice on the wind, and it called me to come out here. That's just in your mind, darling. No voice called you. Yes, Paul, it did. I recognized the voice. You recognized it? Then whose voice was it, dear? It was old and tired and sort of cracked. And yet I could recognize it as my own voice. You heard your own voice? Yes, Paul. And it was strongest right here where I'm sitting now. Among my family graves. Hello there. Hold that voice. Hello. It's just Mr. Griffin, the caretaker. I asked him to help me look for you. Oh, well, I see you found your wife all right, eh, Mrs. Seaton? Yes, I found her, Mr. Griffin. I thought I saw Mrs. Seaton come to the graveyard here earlier. I didn't expect she'd still be... Well, what's wrong? What's the matter, Mr. Griffin? Just that I get sort of a funny kind of feeling every time I pass this grave here. What do you mean? What are you talking about? That grave, that one there, the one right next to you. Why? What's the matter with it? Well, ain't you noticed there's only one name on the headstone? Uh, the first name, Hester. That's strange. My family name is Randolph. Wasn't this woman a Randolph? Oh, you don't know the story? Uh, what story are you talking about? Uh, the kin who buried this Hester woman didn't think she deserved the family name, so they left it off the headstone. Why? Why didn't they give Hester her full name? Because they didn't want anybody to know who she was, I guess. You see, Hester was burned at the stake for witchcraft. Witchcraft? Uh-huh, that's what they say. Uh, Mr. Griffin, my wife is an ill woman as it is. Let I him go on, Paul. No, but Sarah... What I... else, Mr. Griffin? Well, that's all, Mrs. Seaton, except that Hester claimed at the stake that they were burning an innocent woman. She could be heard shouting it as the flames licked around her. She threatened with her last breath to get even someday. How could she get even? I don't know, but... According to the story I heard, Hester said that this here town owed her the years of her life that they took away. Well, now, this is completely ridiculous. It's only a Mr. legend. Mr. Griffin, no... tell me, how many years ago did all this happen? Well, it's, it's right here on the headstone, you see. Hester, a lost soul, born October the 13th, 1759, died. Good heavens. What's wrong? 
Mrs. Seaton. The date of Hester's death. It's worn away. cemetery, and I thought I saw something or someone prowling around out there, and I wondered if they come over this way. Who was it? Oh, I don't know. Someone carrying a torch. A torch? Uh, go on, Judge. Well, of course, it could be that my eyes were playing tricks on me. They're not so good. But uh, as far as I could make out, it was a woman dressed in black. Paul. You saw this woman, Judge? You're sure? Well, I'm pretty sure I saw her. Of course, it's kind of dark out there, but it looked to me like there was something on the front of her dress. What What do you mean? Well, there was the letter W. A big white letter W on it. Hester. It was Hester, just as No, I... no, Sarah. Hester? Who's Hester? Hester Randolph. That's who you saw. She was in this house, no, too. No, it must be a trick. You see, someone is trying to frighten you to make you worse. Now, now, hold on, folks. Hester Randolph was buried over a hundred years ago. She's come back to life. Mrs. Seaton. Uh, Judge, my wife is ill. She doesn't realize what she's saying. I know Hester's alive. You didn't believe me, Paul, but Judge Foster saw her, too. Well, I didn't see anybody who's been dead a hundred years. What is it, Judge? Don't you smell it? Yes. Something burning. The odor of burning flesh. Look, out there on the back lawn, stuck in the earth, a torch, a flaming torch. <laughs> Sir, I tell you, it's useless to have me dig up this crane. I've got to know, Paul. It's the only way I'll be sure. Now, careful, Mr. Seaton. You're just about deep enough for the coffin now, if it's still there. Judge, I don't know how you can sanction a thing like this. Well, Mr. Seaton, you see, I want to be sure, too. Yeah, but it's ridiculous. Yeah, you've struck wood with the shovel. Yes, it's the coffin, all right. You better go easy now. That wood is soft with age and half rotted away. Now, I think we can open it now. Wait, I'll give you a hand with the lid. All right. There's something inside it. Body. Charred. It's a body, all right. Only it isn't a woman's. You can still make out the face. It's Griffin, the caretaker. Dr. 
Dr. Norton, I am so glad that you've gotten here. I came as soon as I could, Mr. Seaton. What's wrong? She's worse, Doctor. Oh? Much worse. Been in her room all day, hiding like a frightened child. I, I think the me- uh, reading made her worse. Reading? What reading? Well, for the past few days, she's been reading books about her family history. Why did you let her have them? Well, because at first, they seemed to quiet her. Since the night we found Mr. Griffin's body in that grave, she's wanted to know more and more about Hester Randolph. Paul. Oh, Sarah. Uh, Dr. Norton's here, dear. You, you've got to warn him, Paul, before it's too late. Warn who, Mrs. Seaton? Judge Foster. He's in danger. Hester will kill him next. What? It's in the records of the court. The magistrate who sentenced Hester to death at the stake was a man named Foster. Now, Mrs. Seaton, you're just upset. Please, believe me. Judge Foster is a direct descendant of that magistrate. Sarah, Sarah, Hester's dead, dear. The dead can do no harm. Oh, Paul, you don't understand. She's killed one man already, and now she's going to kill another. She swore she'd get that revenge. On the magistrate and on the man who was her accuser. Mrs. Seaton, all this took place over a hundred years ago. Then what about Mr. Griffin? Well, what do you mean, Sarah? He had the same name, too. According to the record... Hester's accuser was a man named Richard Griffin. So, Judge Foster, my wife insisted that I come over here and warn you about Hester. Well, thank you, Mr. Seaton, for troubling, but I'm not a bit worried about the similarity of names. Well, I didn't admit it to Sarah, but the coincidence with Griffin was strange. Well, the dead never frightened me, Mr. Seaton. But thank you for coming over. Oh, by the way, can I drive you home? No, thanks. Dr. Norton is waiting for me outside. Good night. Good night, Mr. Seaton. Now, where did I put those glasses of mine? Sure, I left them here on the table. Wait. Say, who opened that door? Is, is that you come back, Mr. Seaton? Well, confound it, whoever it is, answer me. Who's out there? What, who, who is it? I wear and upon which you had impressed the wicked lips. Stop with you. Hester. I, Satan's magistrate, Hester Randolph. You are listening to Inner Sanctum, brought to you by... people are turning to Bromo Seltzer all the time because it fights headache fast and fights it all three ways. First, it quickly fights the pain of the headache itself. Then it soothes upset stomach and jumpy nerves that may often team up with a headache. That's right, folks. Bromo Seltzer does three jobs fast and pleasantly. Just put a teaspoonful of Bromo Seltzer in a glass and add water. It fizzes immediately, sparkling and refreshing, ready to help your headache all three ways. Why wait, folks? Keep that familiar blue bottle handy at home and at your place of business. Yes, friends, it's smart to be prepared for headaches at all times with Bromo Seltzer. It's on sale at all drugstores. Get a bottle today or tomorrow. Simply ask, 
charred body. Switch on the flashlight. There. Just a moment, Mr. Seaton. Dr. Norton has made a mistake. What? This corpse isn't your wife. I can tell by that ring. It's the ring that Judge Foster always wore. Yes, Sheriff. Any news yet? Well, why can't your men find her? It's been six hours already. No, I haven't heard a word. Yes. Please call me as soon as you hear anything, will you? Who's there? Who is it? Oh, open the door. Hurry. Sarah. Yes, yes, quick. Let me in. Oh, Sarah, Sarah. Thank the Lord you're all right. Oh, Darling, where have you been? What happened to you? Wait, lock the door quickly. You... She, she doesn't know I've come back. She's still looking for Who? me. Hester. She was out there, Paul. That's why I ran from the house. She called to me from the road, made me go with her. Uh, go where? To the cemetery. She kept me there, torturing me, begging me to change places with her. Darling, you're not making sense. Please, please, believe me. We've got to get away from here tonight. Right now. She'll kill me if we don't. She wants my life for the one she never lived. Now, stop it. Stop. Now, get hold of yourself. There is no such woman as Hester Randolph. I saw her. I spoke to her. The woman you saw is somebody else, somebody living, who wants you to believe that she's Hester. She wants everybody to believe it. But why, Paul? Why? Because she's a cold-blooded murderess. She's killed two people already, and she's trying to drive you out of your mind completely. Then who? Who could it be? I wasn't sure before. Now I'm almost positive. It's Dr. Norton. Dr. Norton? Now, you saw this, Hester, Sarah. What was she like? Oh, like a ghost. Hmm? Like a shadow in the light. You, you can see her face, and yet you can see through it. Beyond. No. That was just an illusion created by the night there. Oh. And perhaps some other tricks of a clever gaming woman. You'll see. I'll prove that Dr. Norton is... That's the back door. That's blown open again. Leave it. We've got to get out of here. No, no, you stay here. I'm going to see who opened that door. Please hurry. Don't leave me alone so long. Not in a moment. Paul. What what is it, Sarah? Don't come in here. Don't come back. Run away as fast as you can. What's the matter? Don't come in here. Leave here. Sarah. Yourself. 
No. It can't be. I can't be her. And yet I saw her face. But it was my face, too. Sarah. It was you. You all the time. I am Hester, fair gentleman. It is warming to have such a friend as you to stand beside me in this mockery of justice. Oh, Sarah, Sarah. Run. Run as fast as you can, Paul. I was wrong. I haven't killed her. Run. Sarah, I've got to help you. I've got to explain to you that you... But I'm not, Sarah. Not anymore. Can't you see who I am? Can't you see who's taken my place? Sarah, listen to me. I love you. Please, please, come back to me. Sarah's gone. Now I can live the years they took from me. Sarah. See in my hand this pistol. He will bid it, I say. He will come with me. Still no answer, Sheriff. No answer, Dr. Norton. I can't understand it. Mr. Seaton was home when I called just 15 minutes ago. I warned you, Sheriff, to have that house closely watched. Well, I can't do a hundred things at once. I've got every available deputy out looking for Mrs. Seaton. Don't you realize she may have gone back to their house? Don't you realize that she's the one who might be Hester? Mrs. Seaton? Hester? What the deuce are you talking about? I'm talking about dual personality. Mrs. Seaton is suffering from a nervous breakdown. And it's entirely possible that she's the one who killed Griffin and Judge Foster. Well, you should have told me this before, Doctor. Come on, we're getting right over to the Seton house. Here, Paul. They buried Hester's body here. Dishonored and unnamed. But, Paul, you believe in my innocence? Yes, Sarah. We better go back, dear. Back? Just to the house. Very cold here. It's cold everywhere, Paul. I feel the chill of death coming near me. You and I are going back. Back through time. To an age where no one can harm us. This torch I hold. To free us forever. No, wait. Now, Sarah, please, listen. Now, try to understand, dear. You... In your mind, the flames will be of no pain. I know. Because I've been through such a death before. No. Now, Sarah, wait. Uh Paul. Paul. This is going. Mr. Seaton, are you all right? (laughs) Yes. Looks like we got here just in time. Happens 
happens when a dame gets her dates mixed up. Poor Hester. She didn't know whether she was coming or going to the grave. Now, look, if you should be in an old New England cemetery some night and one of the headstones should move, don't be frightened. It's probably just Hester coming up for a hot date again. <laughs> oh, by the way, there's no parting moral attached to tonight's tale. I'll just leave you with your own thoughts. As horrible as I hope they are. <laughs> Friends, it's so foolish to suffer with an ordinary headache when Bromo Seltzer gives you such fast, pleasant, three-way relief. It's true, Mr. Weiss. Bromo Seltzer is so pleasant to take, and it works so fast to help your headache all three ways. Yes, Bromo Seltzer speedily fights the headache pain itself. Then it goes right to work to soothe the upset stomach and jangled nerves that often may team up with a headache. Try it next time you get a headache. Prove to yourself just how fast it works to help your headache all three ways. We've tried a lot of headache products, but it's Bromo Seltzer from now on for our family. You'll say the same thing, too, once you've discovered Bromo Seltzer. So get a bottle today and be prepared at all times to fight a headache fast all three ways. It's smart to keep Bromo Seltzer both at home and at your place of business. That's right, folks. Remember, Bromo Seltzer gives you fast three-way help for a headache. It's on sale at all drugstores. Caution, use only as directed. If headaches recur or persist, see your doctor. Get Bromo Seltzer today and...